Hello, and welcome to our first episode of Blood, Fear, and Beer in our giant new house. Giant to us, that's for sure. Giant to us. My name's Alicia. My name's Greg. And here we are in our giant new house. Sitting on our very nice kitchen table that we just got. Also giant. And we feel super professional because we have a table up on a desk and now we are facing each other like we're in an office setting. I feel like a legit podcaster now. This is pretty intense. This is cool. Takes it to a whole new level. (laughs) I feel the pressure now. Like we can't fuck this up. No. No, we got to be on our game. We got to be on it. Well, let's get on it. I'm going to be on this beer for sure. I am not going to lie. I have major beer envy right now because as you well know I haven't really been able to drink beer because I'm still having major issues after having COVID two months ago but I got a pretty tasty replacement that I'm excited to drink but I want to hear about your beer first what are you drinking I am drinking something called the sublimely self-righteous black IPA from none other than my all-time favorite brewery stone nice it looks awesome it does it's got they always have such killer artwork they do it's got a really bitchin image on front and it is a supremely black supposedly ipa i've never heard of a black ipa before i don't think i really have either and this is no joke black yeah like i it's completely pitch black opaque you can't see through it that looks like something that i would usually be drinking is it delicious pretty good yeah you want to try it yeah, I do. Do you think I'll like it? I'm not sure. I don't think you'll hate it. You might. That is no, like, I think you might hate it. <laughs> that is like darker than the darkest beers I know, that I, was, I typically drink. I, I feel like I could drop just a light in there and it would... Yeah, just I suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like black hole Ooh, of beer. It smells like an IPA. Yeah. It smells really well, good. Well, I wasn't initially getting any kind of what you would call bitterness, but then it really came on strong and I think you're going to hate it. I do hate it. Okay. I really hate it. Yeah, but it's... Boy, I hate it. Boy, I really hate it. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. There's a lot going on in there. I can yeah, tell there's a like... a complicated, sexy beast. It is. Respect. I got respect for that beer. Yeah, apparently, according to the synopsis or little, you know, bio on the back of the bottle here, it was brewed for their 11th anniversary ale, and everybody has wanted it back since, and they finally decided... Oh, back in 2007. So just now, I guess they're coming back with it. That's cool. Yeah, I'm glad. Wow. So what do yeah. you? what's your substitute? I got myself, and I, I discovered this by accident because I actually got it for you as a stocking stuffer for Christmas. So this is a cock and bull <laughs> ginger ale. Or ginger beer. Ginger sorry. beer. Ginger beer. I love ginger beer, and typically when you and I buy ginger beer, it's for the sole purpose of mixing it with whiskey to make an Irish mule. But... This is so delicious. I'm just going to drink it by itself. That is a bomb ginger beer. I've already had it before, but I'm taking a sip now. And it is spicy. It is robust. And it is just supremely delicious. So I'm glad that I still have something tasty to sip on. That cock and bowl is no bowl. (laughs) You want to get down on that? Sure. It's really tasty. It could be a little colder, but I just bought it today. So that's all right. It's still still delicious. Yeah, it's just that intense earth gingery spicy goodness yeah it's got a punch to it mm-hmm. it's really good if you like it. irish mules or if you like ginger beer with anything yeah buy that shit it's apparently so according to the back of the bottle which i love to read <laughs> <laughs> it is the original ginger beer that was used to make the moscow mule at the cock and bowl 
tavern. That's so cool. Or pub. They apparently invented the Moscow mule. I don't know if that's true. That's a hell of a claim. We that should really look into that. <laughs> but they, they're all about it. They're not sugarcoating it. They, they invented it. Speaking apparently. of sugar, this has real sugar in it. And I think that's what makes it so delicious. Yeah, it's not that high fructose corn syrup bullshit. Mm-hmm. I also have to say I love that you read the back of the bottles because that's something that I've always liked to do. And not just with beer bottles. Like I read the back of shampoo bottles. I read the back of everything. I do that. And then when they tell me to go to a website, I go do that. Like I went on a whole like hour long journey looking into Arm & Hammer baking soda. Wow. And learning about their whole history and the history of their logo and all kinds of crazy shit just because I got interested about our toothpaste. We're just huge nerds. Yeah, big time. And that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> There's some really interesting <laughs> shit out there. I love that shit. Anyways, read the back of your shit. Be curious. <clears throat> have fun. Drink beer. At the very least, I like to know what's in my shit. Yeah. You know? Anyway, tonight we are covering... <laughs> so this actually isn't the first movie that we watched in our new house. I think the first horror movie that we watched here, just on a little side note real quick, was Death Proof. Oh, that's right. We've already watched three movies. Yeah. Nice. Well, not for the podcast, but... No. Just as like our, I think it was the night that we moved in or yeah. the night after. We were exhausted. We'd been moving all day and we just wanted to put in a DVD because we didn't have the internet hooked up yet. And we ended up watching Death Proof, which I had only seen once with you years ago. And I had seen Planet Terror. I love Planet Terror. But I know that you prefer Death Proof. Yes. Like strongly. So strongly. we put it in again and holy shit, I was completely floored by how good that movie was. It impresses me every time I see it. It was so intense and so satisfying at the end. It's like com- two completely different movies, the first half and the second half. I mean, pl- oh, of, uh, of Death, Death Proof. Death Proof. Yeah. 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 Com- and then the one that you have is the extended version. So from what I've heard, that one is, I think... It was like 26 minutes longer than the theatrical version. So there's a lot of extra shit in there. So it's the extended and uncut version that you have. So if anybody is thinking of seeing that movie or revisiting it, make sure you watch the extended uncut version. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I I really really enjoyed myself. I did too. And then especially after we watched the last movie for the podcast, the Man Bites Dog one, I just wasn't crazy about that. And I wanted something fun. And I think that this movie that we're covering this week is just good old-fashioned pure entertainment. Oh, big time. It really is. And of course, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about The Conjuring from 2013, directed by James Wan. It's really weird just staring at you the whole time. (laughs) We're not used to this. We're usually on the couch, just like bullshitting on the couch. This feels very formal. It does. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so The Conjuring is obviously a classic ghost story, right? Well... It's honestly like a classic everything. It's a classic ghost story, a classic haunted house, classic exorcism slash possession story. It has really elements of everything. And I think this time around, this was maybe my fourth time. No, definitely. This was my fourth time watching this movie. And even after the fourth watch, I'm still so pleasantly surprised by how much I like this movie every time I watch it. That's usually a good sign to me. I, I do that too. There's yeah. certain movie, a lot of movies actually, fortunately, yeah. that I go through and I may revisit from time to time. And there's just that part of me that feels like I'm going to not enjoy it as much or have more to critique. Especially. Like the cracks are going to show. Yeah, the cracks are going to show. That's a good point. Yeah. But 
this is just a solidly good movie. It really is. And I, I will say this time around, there were just a couple things that I guess you could call cracks that I noticed this time around, but it's nothing that really diminishes the experience for me. Sure. Do you remember the first time that we saw this at our Fullerton place? Kind of. Well, first off, I somehow missed this when it came out in theaters. It came out in 2013, and I don't know if I saw a trailer and just wasn't interested, or if I it just flew under my radar, because my brother and I were usually on top of that shit. Like, if a new horror movie comes out, we're going to go see it, if it looks good. But my dad had recommended this one to us, and it was kind of similar to when we watched Sinister for the first time. We were just looking for something new to watch, and I was like, oh, my dad said this was pretty good. So we put that on, we started watching it, and then I think about halfway through it, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this. I'm having fun. I personally, for me, I was getting super sketched out watching it. (laughs) Had some really good scares. And by the end of it, I was just like, wow, that was not at all what I expected. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I was I'm, I was impressed with it, and I am impressed with it. Yeah. Especially for being such a mainstream horror movie. Yeah. And its capacity, and, you know, I mean, I think at the time, and possibly still, I'm not sure, I didn't validate this, but it was the highest grossing horror movie ever made. I think when it came out, it blew that oh, out of the water, right. but right. it's, it was, so it at was the up time, there. And at the time... Also, again, this may have been blown out of the water with it, but it was also the highest grossing weekend for a horror movie ever. Yeah, at the time it was huge, and you just didn't really see that with a lot of horror movies. No, and what what I was getting at is that for such a popular movie, it was really good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, usually there's a lot of horror movies that, you know, come out and they may be popular, it's the flavor of the week, or... There's something that's just a, it's a fad type of situation. Yeah. But this was just a solidly well put together movie that has stood at least the last eight years. Yeah. And I usually don't like those movies very much or those types of movies, like the big hit blockbuster intended to bring in large audiences, especially the James Wan ones in particular. Like he also did the Insidious movies and I really didn't like Insidious. I've never seen any of those. It's, in my opinion, it's really bad. But, I mean, he has a whole universe of horror movies that are tied to The Conjuring, and I've only seen The Conjuring 1 and 2, but I typically don't rush out to see movies like this. And you and I talked about this way back toward the beginning of our podcast, where uh, my cousin, I think it was, had asked us like what we think about The Conjuring movies and Insidious and all those movies. And I said, even though they're usually not my cup of tea, I love the fact that there are these smash hit horror movies coming out that are getting younger generations into horror movies. So this movie could easily be like the younger generations poltergeist or Amityville or the exorcist. Definitely. And it felt like that when I watched it the first time, I felt like I was watching an instant classic horror movie. Yeah. But also not, not contrived and not derived. Like it was original, but it didn't feel like it was ripping it off. No. That's Yeah, exactly. So when I say I felt like I was watching an instant classic, I felt like this movie is going to withstand the test of time and be a fan favorite. And like people are going to keep coming back to this one because it's just a solidly good horror movie. Definitely. I agree. So I I love it. I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm still surprised that I love it. (laughs) I didn't expect that. (laughs) So you and I were kind of talking about 
this idea and I thought it was really fun. So this movie is about, just to give a quick synopsis, a family of seven, eight if you count the dog, Sadie. I'm going to count the dog. Count the dog. So a family of eight moves into this gorgeous farmhouse in Rhode Island and immediately, like the day that they move in, weird, unexplainable shit starts happening. And at first, I was going to say at first it's benign, but it's really not. Like it starts off with some pretty dark stuff happening and it escalates and escalates to the point where they have to call in expert demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren, to help them figure out what's going on in their house. So you had the fun idea because you and I both have had just countless weird experiences that we have no explanations for. And we were talking about sharing a couple of those. Yeah. Did you have one in mind that you wanted you to start with? You want me with? to break the ice on this I bitch? want you to break the ice. All get right. I'll get it going. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a skeptic. That's an understatement. <laughs> You're a huge skeptic. <laughs> okay. I'm a huge skeptic on a lot of this stuff. That being said, it's surprising. I have had a shit ton of very bizarre experiences. I'm not going to share them all with you by any means tonight, but I'm going to share one that I think is kind of fun. Yeah, don't share too many because I won't be able to sleep tonight. No, no. I'm just. <laughs> we're, we're, hopefully this podcast will go on for a while. There's plenty of time to share There's other stories. lots of stories. I just plan on sharing one tonight. Okay. So this happened back when I guess it was probably, I'm going to say like eight years ago or something like that, maybe nine, mm-hmm. at the Raritan House in Fountain Valley. Oh, my God. Okay. So it was not... Too long after we had begun dating, or maybe they're about. Maybe we'd been together for a year or something like that. It had know. been about like two or three years. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's been so long. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so many years. Well, I guess it wasn't that <laughs> early into our courtship, but nevertheless, early enough. And I was living with a group of. Like four people at um, this large house in Fullerton, or sorry, in Fountain Valley. So it was like the nicest place I've ever lived in, really. And it was really cool people. And, you know, it was just a roommate situation, but in a nice fucking house. And I'd been there for probably about a year, I guess, living with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe thereabouts, maybe a little less. And, you know, they were party animals to the extreme. Yeah. It was super fun. People, and but they fucking partied hard. Well, not but. Super fun people, comma, they partied hard. So I was used to loud music. I was used to them getting up at 12 o'clock in the morning and watching TV until 4 o'clock in the morning and then going to bed or that kind of situation. Like, that was not at all an uncommon situation, no matter what day of the week it was. Yeah. So that was not a questionable thing. And it was a weeknight. And I had been asleep in bed. And surprisingly, everybody in the whole house, A, was home, which was not necessarily a usual thing. It seemed like there was like three of four of us home at a given time. Mm -hmm. Like somebody was usually staying over their boyfriend or girlfriend or off in Cuba or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) wherever. So everybody was home. I think some boyfriends and girlfriends were over too. So there was more in there. You were there. And we were asleep in the early evening-ish, early for that house. It was probably like midnight or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe one o'clock. And I woke up to the TV just blasting. Super fucking loud. Like to the level where it actually hurt your ears, right? Yeah. And actually, now that I recall, it wasn't a week night, but it was a week 
it was a weekend, but I had to work the next day. And that's why you were over. And all the boyfriend and girlfriends were over, right? And so it was going on and on and on. And I was just, okay, whatever. I was kind of annoyed. and But I'm not usually the type of person to go down and make a big fucking stink about shit like that, you know? But again, it was getting to the point where it's like 1 o'clock. It's been going on for like an hour. And I thought they would settle down, turn it down, go to bed, relax, something. And I just was like, I can't fucking do this. I have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I need a couple hours of sleep. And I'm going to finally go down there and ask him to turn it down. So I go, and it's just fucking pitch black, which was unusual. Nope. Right? <laughs> and so I expected to see some lights on with the TV or something like that, but I figured that just the TV was on. And so I and I got up. You didn't get up during this whole situation. Which is weird because I'm such a light sleeper. Yeah. I mean, I fart in the middle of the night and you get up. Yeah. <laughs> so I it's pitch black, and I'm walking down, and it has like a double wide stairs to get down. Yeah. And I'm, and it's again, pitch fucking black. And for whatever reason, I guess I'm just kind of a weird dude. So I didn't turn on the lights to go down the stairs because I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then I got super paranoid. I was like in scout mode. I'm like, well, I don't want them to know that I'm fucking coming. You know, whatever the fuck. I don't know. Don't ask me what, what my logic was. Behind You're a murderino. You're smart. Yeah. So yeah. I started approaching this a little bit differently than I had anticipated. It went from like going to tell somebody to please shut the fuck up a little bit to, what the fuck is going on and approach with caution. So I start walking down and again, there's no TV on it's pitch fucking black. All that is on is somehow the stereo for the TV, which is getting the reception of the TV, which I'm still not entirely sure how that worked. Now that I think about it. Yeah. It must've been going through the cable box or something like that. I don't, I honestly don't know, but the TV was not on just the stereo, which was, playing the audio of whatever channel the cable box was on, I guess. Blaring. And I go downstairs, and I'm walking around, I'm looking around in the dark, and I finally go over, and I like I approach every other aspect. Before I went directly to the stereo to go turn it off, I went and like checked other areas of the house, and finally went over and shut off the stereo. So now it's pitch black, and it's dead quiet. And I go back upstairs and slowly get into the room. And I barely crack the door open to get in and you wake up. And then I get to bed and I hear other people like wake up and go to the bathroom and do other kind of shit. But this, I mean, it was just very strange because A, obviously something just turned on on its own electrical glitch, whatever. Yeah, but, but the thing is that nobody else in the whole fucking house seem to give a shit about this or care about it or essentially hear it. That's the part that gets me. And then the second you barely crack open the door, I'm like, Whoa, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, and then other people are up and active and like... That's so weird. I'm so glad I wasn't awake for that. <laughs> I would have been so freaked out. <laughs> That's a good one. It was so hard for me to pick a story. Was it hard for you? Because we have so many weird ones. No, I just felt like I'd pick a rather mundane one. You saving the crazy shit for later? Yeah, save that for later. I have one that's pretty good. And it's not, it's not super crazy, but I was really, really thinking about this. And I know that I'm not as much of a skeptic as you are because I've, I've just had so many weird things happen and I love spooky shit and I love the, just the what if of what kind of weird shit could be out there. But I definitely think it's important and it's valuable to question things and to try and think of an explanation and debunk things before. I mean, we've talked about this before with, I don't remember which movie it was that we've covered, but your first thought shouldn't be it's a ghost, right? So I don't have an explanation for 
this particular story. And I was trying to think of one where it involved another person who witnessed the same thing. And I, there's no explanation for it that I can think of. It's just fucking weird. So as you know, when I lived in my grandparents' house, all kinds of crazy stuff happened all the time, like daily. And just to give a brief description of my grandparents' house, it's this big two-story house that was built in the 70s. And it's kind of back in a suburban cul-de-sac in Huntington Beach. It's right by the, the wetlands, if you're familiar with that area, anyone who's in Southern California. It's a really quiet area. They've lived there forever. And my grandma is an avid collector of antiques and not just little things that she finds at shops here and there. She has dolls from the 17 and 1800s that would make your toes curl looking at them. They're so terrifying. Absolutely. All over the house. Furniture. Kitchen supplies from the 1700s that look like medieval torture devices. Like the entire house is full of this shit. Cradles, yeah, carriages, all kinds of shit. Like yeah. it is, it's essentially like the museum that is in Ed and Lorraine's house. Yes, it's like that. But the it's entire a house. house, the entire house, and it's <laughs> not kept under lock and key. Yeah, <laughs> nor is it blessed <laughs> by a priest. Yeah, week. the priest doesn't come in once a month to <laughs> cleanse that shit. Nobody's coming in to take care of it. It's just loose yeah. in the house. <laughs> That is your grandma's. That's my grandma's house. That's where we lived for several years. That's the house that I was terrified to spend the night at when I was a little kid. Now I understand why. But my brother and I lived there with my mom and my grandparents for several years. And we would have weird shit happen all the time. But this particular incident, I just, I don't know. So this was maybe nine or ten years ago. And you and I were were dating at the time. But I, I remember the timeline to some degree, because I remember that my vision was a lot better then than it is now. (laughs) That'll make sense in a second. But I had a a very, very mild prescription for glasses. So I would go into my brother's room because he had a TV in his room and I didn't. And we would just hang out in there and play video games well into the night on the weekends. And I was in there with him one night. It was maybe a Friday or a Saturday. Everybody else had gone to bed and we were just playing video games. And back then I had to take my glasses off to play video games because it would hurt my eyes. I only used them for driving at the time. And he watched me take them off because I said my eyes hurt. I need to take off my glasses. And his bedroom door was shut. We were closed into the room. I took my glasses off, folded them, and put them on top of his dresser. So he saw me do this. We saw them sitting there. And we were playing games. And then it hit around midnight, maybe a little bit later. And we wanted to go downstairs and get snacks because we were not even close to being done with gaming all night. So I got up to get my glasses because I wanted to go downstairs and they were not on the dresser. I was like, what the hell? Have you seen my glasses? So we're looking all over his room. We're looking behind the dresser to see if they fell. We're looking on the sides. I don't see them anywhere. He can't find them. So then I start to think like he's fucking with me. And he's like, I swear I didn't move your glasses because things like that would happen all the time where things would just be gone and we wouldn't find them and they would turn up later. So I was like, okay, forget it. Neither one of us had left the room. We hadn't gone up to go to the bathroom. Nothing. We were closed into that room. So we opened the door to go downstairs. And I shit you not, at the bottom of the stairs is one of my grandma's dolls. I'm getting like goosebumps talking about this. It's so fucked up. (laughs) One of my grandma's dolls. And she's sitting in like an old fashioned high chair. And it has like a wooden tray on front. And my fucking glasses, I am not kidding you, are sitting folded on that tray in front of the doll. I feel like somebody was fucking with you. 
we didn't leave the fucking room. How? <laughs> they couldn't have. It's impossible. It's impossible. I have I have no explanation for that one. It's one of my favorite stories because my brother was there. I had a witness. It wasn't like, oh, I went downstairs and forgot them. There's no way. We did not leave the room. I love that story because it's so fucked up. I was, pretty good. I was not okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was not okay. True story. Do with it what you will, listeners, but... That's what happened, and I get super sketched Did out this doll talking about it. Look like Annabelle. Annabelle? No. I feel like Annabelle will be better. Annabelle looks fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad to find out she's just a raggedy Ann doll. I know. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like when I first saw this movie, I was like, in what world does a doll look like that? I know. And then I picture my grandmother's dolls, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, because those are horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. They're really terrifying. My sister had a raggedy end, though. Really? Yeah. I never had one of those. No? That was past Well, year. they looked like clowns, and I don't like clowns, yeah. so. But, yeah, that's my story, and uh, that one is one of my favorites because, I there, like, there's no way around it for me. I don't know what that was. I don't know what happened. My brother, same thing. He'll back up the story. He was there. He saw my glasses. We were freaked out. I'm just I didn't thinking about how, go many, down there. how many times somebody walked by you and you don't notice, right? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that would be one thing, but in this scenario, everybody was asleep. We were in the bedroom with the door shut. If somebody had come in and opened the bedroom door, there's no possible way we wouldn't have noticed that, both of us. Well, let me ask you this. Are we here to tell stories or try and shit on each other's stories? I'm not trying to share your story. You kind of are. (laughs) All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. That was my story. (laughs) Can I ask one question? Yeah. Would your mom fess out to it if she did it? She would. Yeah. And she hasn't fessed up to it? No. Okay. And there was no way we didn't leave the room. <laughs> well, there is a way. There's no way. There's no way. I, I remember those days of being sunk into a video game. Like, I don't... Mm. Atomic bomb could go off and you wouldn't notice. It didn't happen. But anyway, that's my story. Nevertheless, fun stories. It's fucked up. <laughs> should we talk about The Conjuring? I guess we should. I guess it's time. Okay, so this is based on... It says at the beginning that this is a true story. We won't get into that because... Who's to say? I'm not here to downplay anybody's experiences. I'm not here to say this didn't happen to you, but based on I do, I do think Ed and Lorraine Warren are full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I really did enjoy how they were portrayed in this movie, though. I thought that Ed and Lorraine in the movie, played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, had fantastic chemistry. I thought they were absolutely adorable together, and I really think that they made this movie work. Oh, yeah. They stole the show, in my opinion. They really did. They were excellent. I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about the intro of this movie with the Annabelle case? You know, I'm torn on it, because I feel like the doll's way overboard. Yeah. Like, how fucked up that doll is. Yeah. Just the way it looks. Like, it's too much. (laughs) I think it's just way overboard. And then I also think the antics that the doll gets up to Mm -hmm. is way overboard. I did like... so, So that, I didn't like. I'll just say that right now. Well, you also know right off the bat, or at least, you know, when you get five minutes into the movie, okay, they're setting this up for like a sequel or another movie. Right. Absolutely. I did like, I thought it was a cool introduction to Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, me too. I thought it was a cool introduction to the idea of a possession of a demon. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And basically letting the audience know from the get-go Kind of what you're in store for. Yeah. You know, you get to see the the ass end of this with the doll and what these girls went through and how Ed and Lorraine helped them. 
And now here's a new family. Yeah. Right? Or here's a family that's going to be going through something similar. So I thought that was a pretty good setup. And I will say that James Wan, that dude knows how to make a fucking franchise like yeah. nobody I've ever seen. And we and talked so about this in our Saw episode. Did. He knows what he's doing. So I have to give him extremely high regards and the capacity of being able to take this film and just in this single film essentially create all the framework needed for creating an virtually infinite amount of sequels or spin-offs of yeah. horror movies. They like, literally have a room of sequels in their say. house. I'm like, that is brilliant from a, a writer's and a you know a, a movie maker's perspective. And he did it in a way that didn't outright annoy me. Yes. Yeah, that was, was I was, I was gonna fine. Say, it was fine. It was fine. It, it totally made sense. Yeah. Like them how ha- they had that museum. Yeah. That was a real thing too, so you yeah. can't even fault them for that. Oh, I'd and, be but, so scared, but I want it so bad. The museum? <laughs> yeah. I was looking when I found out that was a true museum, I was like, oh dude, I want to go check that out. I want to go course, so bad. It's since Ed and Lorraine are gone, it was like in the back of their house, so Oh shit. That museum doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I wonder where all the stuff is now. It's, but in the White House. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though. Like, I could take it or leave it with the intro. I don't think it needs to be there, but I don't think they should necessarily take it out. I think it was fun, and I liked it as an intro to yeah. Ed and Lorraine. I just felt it was a little overboard. Yeah. Again, like, with how the doll looks, it's like, okay, a doll does not look like that. Like, no. she looks just completely Yeah, evil. she looks road hard and put away wet. Yeah, like, of... nobody would bring that into their house. No. Ever. But then again, I think of or have my grandparents' house <laughs> and the shit that's in there. So I don't know. Yeah. Again, I could take it or leave it. But I also liked that this movie took place in the 70s. And I think they did a really good job of capturing capturing that era and that atmosphere. It didn't feel... Like, we watched a movie the other night. It was called Nice Guys, I think. And it was supposed to be like a 70s-style buddy comedy. And I felt like that one... The time and the setting didn't really work for me. It just felt like it didn't need to exist. No. But I think that this movie did a good job as a period piece and as a tribute to that time. It worked for me. I think it also gives credence to this whole idea of it kind of being that newer generations poltergeist or newer generations intro of a classic horror movie. And I respect and appreciate that this was set in that time frame. As well. Where at that time, it was the time. Yeah. You know, but I feel like a good horror movie takes place in the 70s or 80s. Yeah. And I mean, there are plenty of good modern horror movies. But not only is it the time where Ed and Lorraine were at their peak of being demonologists and doing this work, but also you you solve the cell phone problem. Uh, yeah. yeah. No cell phones, no way to quickly call for help. You're isolated. You're out in the middle of nowhere. It's difficult to get help and to get support to get out of this situation. And I also like that for this particular case, it wouldn't have mattered if they had cell phones because it's a fucking demon. Right. There's nowhere they can go. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> I like a demon that follows you wherever you go. Yeah. I also just... Moving on, I guess, I really appreciate the the family aspect. It, it did kind of what, again, Poltergeist did. Yeah. It was a lovable family. I really liked the dad and the mom. I felt like this movie did a better job than Poltergeist in presenting a family that was a little bit more authentic in their work capacity, I guess. 
the dad's like a truck driver and they're struggling to kind of make ends meet and the the whole reason why they got this house because it was cheap on auction and he's trying to afford the bills and the mom's kind of doing all this. I get that, whereas the Poltergeist family could very easily pick up and move, which they no do. No problem. Yeah, which yeah. they do. Like in this movie, all of their money is in this house. They can't leave. And I guess... For me, it's more relatable. Yeah. Like the Poltergeist family, I feel is like kind of a baller family. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they got this house because he's developing these houses and they can pick up and move anytime they fucking want. Yeah. They have plenty of money. That's not the issue. Whereas this family, I feel more of a... Camaraderie? Camaraderie, yeah. That... I, I can totally see that. Like, you just bought this fucking house. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I, yeah. I have no fucking money right now. Like, and then when they get so desperate that they do want to leave, Ed is like, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to follow you wherever you go. It's attached to your family. Right. Yeah, so that just adds house. another element of fear. Yeah, I think it's really well done. I also know that this is a, it's about a two hour movie. And I think the pacing is excellent. There's no point for me where it drags or seems to be going on too long. No, it. Does not feel like a two hour. You know, I'm pretty strong about that hour and a half horror movie timeline. But this one took two hours and it used it. Yeah. There was nothing superfluous or fluffy about it. I also keep forgetting that this is an R-rated movie. And I think it's kind of cool that the only reason that it's rated R is because of the scare factor from what I've heard. Because there is... Almost no blood. There's no sex or nudity. There's no drug use. Nothing crazy over the top. It's just scary. See, that shit, we've talked about this before. The the whole, the rating system just is infuriating. It makes no sense, yeah. When you were saying that, I read it as I was researching, and then it kind of slipped my mind. And then you just mentioned it again. There's nothing about this movie that deserves a rated R. No, I think this could have easily been PG-13. There's so many fucking PG-13 movies that I've seen are way more hardcore than this. And there's rated R movies that I've seen that are way more tame. I just watched Gremlins the other day, which holds up, by the way. Still love it. And that one was PG. And it was way worse than The Conjuring. (laughs) Way more fucked up. There needs to be a reckoning with the the rating system. It's that MPAA, man. But yeah, I I, I did think that was something that I didn't really think about watching. Like, there really isn't any... Nothing gore or sex or nudity or anything that you would see in a typical rated R horror movie. So it's interesting and kind of cool that it holds up as well as it does on just the scare factor alone. And if I can make a asterisk to that, they're not just jump scares either. Yeah. I think it was like legitimate scare factor. That is kind of cool, I have to say. Also, the thing I probably respect the most about this movie, speaking of jump scares, is... I really, really appreciate the level of restraint and patience that this movie has because there were so many moments where they could have easily just thrown in a cheap jump scare. And every time you think it's going to happen and you're building up that tension and you're waiting for it, it doesn't happen. And because it doesn't happen, there's no release. So it holds that tension and that uneasy feeling the entire two hours. And it does it so well. So with jump scares, when we talked about it, that movie had some amazing jump scares in it, but it only works once. So when you go to revisit the movie, it just doesn't have the same impact. But this one, because it has that level of restraint and because it leaves so much to your imagination, it holds up every time, in my opinion. That is a succinct point. I really enjoyed that. There was maybe 
one or two jump scares, but they were so well placed. They didn't have like the music cues or the hints that build up to it. They just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And if I can, there's also the aspect that when you're in a situation in which you are afraid, like put yourself in their shoes, right? You're going to start being paranoid. And so random things around the house are going to jump scare you. Yeah. And I felt that the quote unquote jump scares in this movie were really just the characters being scared. Yeah. And like their reaction to mundane things or what appeared to be mundane things for the most part. Yeah, I really appreciated that. So if if you wanted to a little bit, I mean, we won't give like a blow by blow of the plot, but maybe we could just go over some of the things that are happening in this house and happening to this family that prompts them to call in Ed and Lorraine. And I will say right off the bat, I think that the first half of this movie was definitely stronger than the second half. That being said, I think the first half was fantastic. Just yeah. the, the build up and how it seemed like it happened so fast, but it didn't feel rushed to me. No, but, it, you know, they didn't waste any time getting this thing up to like 8, 9, 10, and 11. Yeah, you I know. think it was day one or maybe the the first morning there. The evening that they move in, they're all running into the house. They're excited to be there. They have five daughters. So it's a husband, wife, and five daughters. They're all fighting over which bedroom they're going to get. And they all go into the house and Sadie, their dog, will not go into the house, which is always a bad sign. Right. When your pet's sketched out, you know, something's up. So she's barking and whining. She won't come in. So they just leave her outside because they got shit to do. And the next morning, I think it was one of the little, yeah, the smallest one, April was her name, finds the dog outside and she's dead. And nobody has any idea what happens, what happened to her. There's no wounds. There's no sign of... What caused her to die? She's just dead. So right off the bat, first thing that happens, they kill the dog. I really like that because there's a lot of movies where the dog will have, or the animal will have like their neck slit or they're hung. Yeah. Or it's broken or something kind of violent. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can recall a movie where the animal was just dead for unknown reasons. And I think simultaneously the mother, Carolyn keeps waking up with bruises all over her body. Yeah, that starts from day one. It gets worse and worse. And then there's also this weird thing, and Caroline notices it the first time they wake up Mm -hmm. in the house, that every single clock in the house is stopping at a particular time. Yeah, 307, right? 307, Yeah. yeah. Which is very, to me, that felt like a callback to Amityville. Totally. So you had the clock stopping. And so that's kind of the first thing that she notices Mm -hmm. as being weird. And it's all of the clocks in the house. That's the thing. It's every single clock. Doesn't matter if it's like wind up, battery powered, whatever. Like they all just stop at 307. So she's freaked out by that. She's getting bruises, but she's not really thinking much about it. They're moving. They're banging into walls, whatever. So she's not thinking about that. The dog died mysteriously, but fuck it. Who knows? It could have just like the wrong pond or something. Who knows? So nobody's sketched out about anything except for, at this point, uh, the mom is a little sketched out about the clock situation. And this is a clever demon. Like, killing the dog right off the bat, you're putting the family on edge, you're starting off with a tragedy, and there's this overall, like, sadness and dark feeling over the house as soon as they move in that it can just feed off of. Yeah, that's a good point. There's also, just to mention, they discover a hidden door in a closet that leads down to this basement that has all kinds of just shit in it. Yeah. And I thought it was 
I'm just going to mention it because there's a cool callback to it later on in the movie. And, well, there's two things. So they first go down there and the husband's kind of looking around. He's like, well, maybe we can sell some of this shit. Or, yeah. You know? And the mom is just like, this is just a bunch of fucking trash. But there's two things that she does that there's a callback on that I really enjoyed. And one, there's a piano down there. Mm-hmm. And she just goes down. And, of course, it's been sitting there for ages. So everything's out of tune. But she plays, like, four or five notes. Mm-hmm. Of a, of a tune or a melody, right? And the other thing that she does is she takes one of the... There's a ball, like a ball you play with, and like the size of a basketball or something like that. And she like throws it at her husband playfully. Yeah. And I just put a pin in that because it comes up later. Yeah, I really liked that too. That was clever. Yeah, so things escalate pretty quickly. And I just have to say, especially after repeat viewings on this movie, the entire setup of the hide and clap game was brilliant. Fuck yes. I love that. was probably my favorite thing in the whole goddamn movie. The first time we watched it, that was definitely my favorite thing. Yeah. It's still my favorite thing. I think so. I mean, there are some, I have my top three scares, so maybe we can swap those later because there's so many, but I've narrowed it down to a top three. But that whole setup was so brilliant. So they have, you know, just to recap, they have this game that they play called hide and clap. So it's like hide and seek, but you're blindfolded. And the people who are hiding, when the seeker says, give me the first clap, everyone who's hiding has to do a single clap and you get a total of three. And you have to use the sound to find where each person is hiding. It's like Marco Polo. Yeah. But with clapping. Yeah, and they're in this giant house that's barely been explored. They don't know it very well. They don't even know so, the furniture yet, so they're like knocking, yeah, into, like knocking into stuff. Yeah, like knocking into stuff. And they're going around playing this game, and you know, the first time they play it, nothing happens. And then when it's time for the girls to start school, and the husband has gone off on a job for a week. He's a truck driver, so he's gone for a week. It's just the mother and the youngest child at home because she's too young to go to school yet. I think April, right? Yeah. So April wants to play hide and clap. The mom was can like, I hold, can yeah. I back off for a second? <laughs> yeah. So again, April is the one that's super close to the dog. Yeah. As well. And of course, the youngest one always has to be doing the creepy shit. Yeah. What we, what nobody in the house knows is that she at some point found this little jack in the box kind of carousel type oh, toy. Oh yeah, and she's talking to a friend, right? Yeah. So yeah. she has this Rory. little box where it like pops open and there's <clears> this <throat> weird little spirally mirror that's like a funhouse mirror because it kind of distorts things. And she found this and she's playing with it. And then, you know, the mom hears her talking to somebody in her room and it's just the mom and april and the house this whole house right she's like uh who are you talking to hon (laughs) and the little girl is saying that she's been talking to rory and we've been seeing her out in the yard kind of like talking to herself and she's saying that like if you look in this mirror you play the song you'll see him in the mirror and the mom goes to do it and it was one of those fun kind of a fun jump scare actually where she's doing this and she's kind of Obviously thinking her daughter is just making shit up, but at the same time, she's kind of sketched out. Yeah. And so again, when it gets to the end, the little girl actually like jumps and scares her mom and yeah. she like freaks out. Which scares you. Which scares you. Ex- I, that's another moment where I really appreciated the restraint. Yes. Where they could have done yeah. something in there. Even later on when that comes back again, they really yeah, they don't, don't do it. It's they just kind of subtly in the background. Mm-hmm. They keep that tension going. Yeah, they leave all the low-hanging fruit. And yeah. I like that. It's just still hanging too. there. It was well know? done. But I, So I just want to set that up. So you're, the daughter's already kind of engaging with something strange. Yeah. And she's the one who asks her mom, like, hey, none of the sisters 
will play with me. Like, please, let's play this game. Yeah. So, of course, she can't say no. So the mom is the seeker and April is hiding and the mom is asking for the clap and she hears the first clap and she's like, okay, I know exactly where you are. So she goes into, I believe it's the oldest daughter's bedroom, Andrea. Right. And side note real quick, a lot of side notes here. Cindy, the second youngest daughter, don't worry if you can't keep up, there's five fucking daughters. Yeah, we hardly keep uh, up Sleepwalks into this room all the time and she'll bump into this big wardrobe that's in the corner. And she does it all the time. She's been doing it constantly. And this wardrobe came with the house. Yeah, it came with the house. It's like this big old-fashioned two-door wardrobe. So Carolyn, the mother, hears a clap in this room and she's like, oh, I've got you. And we see her walk in there. And I love this moment because we get to see something that the characters don't see. So we know that it's happening because we have an objective point of view and an objective perspective. So she walks into the room and she goes, I know you're in here. And the wardrobe door just opens behind her, creaks open. And she goes, I can hear you breathing. And then all of a sudden, these two hands. Well, then she goes, you know, like third class. Yeah. And then these two hands just, and you, these are not a child's hands. You know, something is wrong. <laughs> just peek out of the wardrobe and just clap. <laughs> and so the mom goes, right? And so uh, as an audience, you're like, oh, it's so <laughs> you know? fucked up. It's but so But the mom, good. she's blindfolded, right? And so she thinks her daughter's yes, in there. Yes, and you're like, don't go in there. Don't and go so in there. And so she starts going and like rummaging around in this wardrobe and she doesn't feel her daughter or anybody. And then all of a sudden the daughter runs in and she's like, Ha ha, you lose out of another room. And the mom strips off her thing and she starts like frantically looking around and like realizing what the fuck just took place. Not knowing that we saw hands. So to her, it was all, you know, an audio hallucination, if you will. It's so good. Oh, that was definitely my favorite scare of the movie. Yeah, me too. And the spoiler for later when we talk about our favorite scares, but that was my favorite too. No doubt about it. And the first time we watched that, my stomach just dropped through the floor. It was like, that is super not okay. I hate it. That was so good. <laughs> and so if we can fast track a little bit, because there's a lot of shit that happens. Yeah, it's just So nuts. the daughters have a lot of situations. There's two of the daughters that are sleeping in the same room. And one of them keeps on like feeling something pulling at her leg. I love that too. And... There's like the smell of rotten meat that people are picking up on. There's all kinds of fucking shit. And finally, it gets to the point where the dad's starting to like hear things and see things before he leaves for his trip. And it's just this culmination. Again, it's a fast buildup. Yeah. And every single person in the house is essentially experiencing something. And it's just relentless. But they're all experiencing it kind of isolated. The only exception to that is I don't know, or we don't... Andrea is kind of... She's the oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. And so she's kind of already isolated herself from the family. Because she's like too cool for school at this point. You know, she's at that transition in life. And so we really don't get a lot of screen time or... You know, we don't get to know Andrea. Yeah. It's also hard to keep track of... All of the girls, like there are a couple I know for sure, but was Andrea the one who got dragged by the hair later or was that Nancy? I think that was Nancy again. Okay. Because Andrea has the room with the wardrobe. Right. And then who did the witch jump on? I don't don't even remember. There's five there's five girls. There's too many of them. That is one tiny issue I have with it, is I think there are too many daughters. Like there's too many people to keep track of. (laughs) 
three. Make it a maximum of three. I'm fine with the five daughters. That's too many. But nevertheless. And they everyone, all have brown hair except for April. <laughs> they all have a bunch of shit going on. And then the mom's getting more and more fucked up as far as the bruises go. The one that's the mom's the one that really is getting the most psychological and physical damage at this point. Mm-hmm. Like obviously the little girls are scared and stuff, but the mom is the one who's really picking up on something and has been that like shit is not right. Yeah, there's a really fucking cool scene where she goes out and they have like all the family pictures hanging up along the um, stairway and mm-hmm. along the hall and all that, and just simultaneously like. Everything breaks. Oh, I love that. They all fall off. The That's wall also at the same a super time. cool scene. Yeah, that was great. But it gets to a point where like shit is unhinged and the mom eventually I think did the dad come home? Yeah, he came home, shit was going down. Yeah, I remember yeah. oh yeah, that was kind of I felt so bad for the dad. Here he's been on this like week and a half long road trip being a truck driver, and he comes home to literally a house full of six girls just screaming their heads off, frantically freaking out. And I think it's because one of the girls went missing or something like that. Or I don't even remember exactly what it was that they were freaking out about at that point. I think shit was just going on. Shit down. was like everybody, everything was going on. Yeah. And they're all freaking out. And he comes home and he's like, what the fuck? Everyone yeah. slow down and just tell me what the fuck happened. Like, I just got home. Yeah. And this is maybe 40 minutes into the movie. It's a good chunk in. And then right after this, we get to go back to the Warrens and get another peek into their lives. Yeah. So the mom goes and attends a seminar that they're putting on at the local college. We don't get any information about how she found out about this or whatever. Obviously, she's just looking into demonologist i guess or yeah. people that are paranormal investigators i guess is a better way to put it so we get to see ed and warren putting on a seminar and describing one of their more controversial and documented exorcisms that they put on yeah right and they have film footage of all this shit going on they're describing everything and afterwards carolyn goes and approaches them and you know they're traveling around doing this shit. They're kind of like, all right, yeah, we're tired. We get shit all the time. And she just like looks at them and pleads with them, like, "You have to help me. Yeah, like, just, just take please a look. Please come to this house." And Lorraine is the one who's supposedly clairvoyant. Yeah. And so she's picking up on something, and she turns to Ed, and she's like, "Yes, we'll help you. We need to help these people. There's something going on." I thought that that segment was really well done because it was. And again, I think that in another director's hands, it might not have been done as well, but it was a clever way to give us more exposition about what Ed and Lorraine do and what kind of situation this family is dealing with because they're teaching it as a class. So you don't have the characters talking to each other and saying, what you have here is this type of haunting. And, you know, where it's so obvious that they're trying to get the audience to understand what's going on, they're teaching a class. So it doesn't sound strange that they're explaining the three stages of a haunting and what to look for and exactly what's going on. Right. So I thought that was a clever way to give us that information. Absolutely. And they did that in the beginning, too, which we talked about. I I do feel like that was probably a good move. Yeah. So here you had in the beginning, you had Ed describing to these girls that were being plagued by Annabelle what was going on with them and that it was actually a demon that was going on. And so you get that. It was... Well written in that capacity. Yeah. Of not forcing it down your throat in some 
contrived way. I love also, just a side note real quick, I think it was also close to the beginning when Ed was giving somebody a tour through their room and he's like, everything in this room is either haunted, cursed, or used in some kind of ritualistic practice. We have a priest come by once a month to cleanse the place. (laughs) I think that's where we joked about like that being my grandparents' house. Everything's either haunted, cursed, or used in ritualistic practice. (laughs) I thought that was good. Yeah, but Once they get the Warrens to the house, that's where things really start to ramp up because, of course, this entity now feels threatened by their presence. I loved the look on Lorraine's face. Like, the second they walk into the house, her smile just falls and she's like, whoa. Like, she almost is physically pushed back by the energy in this house and the presence that she feels in this house. Yeah, and then she, like, tries to slap it back on. And you see her do that multiple times and it reminds me of, you know, someone who is dealing with somebody with like a gunshot wound and you know they're going to die but then you're like it's all going to be okay it's okay you're fine everything's <laughs> fine smile it's okay yeah. are these your kids yeah Hi. oh they're so it's cute oh, oh my god you're so gonna die <laughs> this is worse yeah. than we thought yeah <laughs> and ed is just he immediately jumps into it um when the parents start talking about and usually he would try to debunk things, but just based on the look that Lorraine gives him, that's enough information yeah, he's, to know he's what they're in. dealing with. Right. Yeah, he's like, okay, we're dealing with a real situation here. So they're describing how all the pictures fall off the wall, how they all are sleeping downstairs in the living room. It's constantly freezing. There are bad smells. And they talk about how they hear like things come in threes. So they're he- they'll hear three bangs, three knocks, three of everything. And Ed's just like, oh, yeah, it's an insult to the Trinity. This is... Well, yeah, yeah, the dad's saying that he hears knocks and hears patterns of them. And then Ed asks, do they come in threes? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And so he's like, well, that's, that's just him, you know, being yeah. a dick. Being a dick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think Ed asks them if they're a church-going family or they say we're not a church-going family. And Ed's like, you might want to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I skipped over something. So I said oh, yeah. put a pen in the whole basement oh, situation. Oh, the callback, yeah. So there's a point where Carolyn... Actually, it's a fucked up scene, really. So it she, is. It gets really dark. Yeah. So I don't remember what entices her to go down there. If it's just noise or something. I think she hears something or she thinks one of the daughters is down there. I think she hears something. Yeah. yeah and so she just goes to like peek her head in. And everyone, everyone knows this basement's off limits. Yeah. Right? So she goes down and she steps just like one foot down the stairway and is like calling out for her daughter, and then she realizes that something is afoot. <laughs> There's a clap again, too. I think that's what she like heard yeah. initially, or something like that. And she thought maybe her daughter was down there. Yeah, like right next to her face. Remember? Well, what happens is that when she realizes that something's fucked up, she goes to turn around, and the door slams shut on her head, and it knocks her in the head super hard. She falls down the stairs. Super fucking hard. It was hard, a brutal fall. Really hard fall. And this is where she's stuck down in this basement. And all she has is like a couple of matches. And this is where the callback comes from. And you hear the piano. And it plays the same notes that she played when she was down there. And then she lights the match to try to see. And as she's looking around, the ball that she threw to her husband gets thrown at her. <sighs> This is one of those situations where I 
again, this movie is just pure entertainment. It's fun to watch. And the, there are a couple of scenes that definitely got under my skin a little bit. But this is one of those situations where if I really take the time to put myself in oh that my character God, situation, terrifying. I would die. I am a little bit scared of the dark. Quite. A little bit scared of the dark. So if I got knocked down the stairs into the basement and all I had was matches and then I hear the fucking piano playing, I, d- I don't even know what I would do. Whatever like, it may be. But I just yeah. I actually didn't recognize that it was the same notes that she had played earlier yeah. until this watch. Oh, yeah, same. I thought it was oh, just was random cool. piano. Yeah. But when I realized it was the same notes that she played, I'm like, that was pretty cool. And then the ball, too. The I like that. Yeah. So that was fucked that up. That was good. Sorry, I just had to I had to go back to that because that was probably <laughs> like my second favorite scary thing. That's a good one. And you know, things start to ramp up and the the Warrens have their own daughter at home who spends a lot of her time with her grandmother because Ed and Lorraine are often out on these cases. And we find out after not too long that Ed doesn't like to go on these cases anymore if they can help it because The way he describes it is kind of funny, but it's meant to be serious, where Lorraine is a clairvoyant and she deeply feels like the emotions of other people and is very empathetic. So every time he describes it as every time they go on one of these cases, it takes a little piece out of her. And that one exorcism that they were showing, I think it was the one they were showing in the class. He's like, took real big piece. (laughs) Real big piece. (laughs) Real big piece. Blew out an archway. So... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounded really fucked up. Like, yeah. she... In the video, she they show a flashback to the video where she just starts screaming because the guy had touched her, apparently showing her something. And to this day, he doesn't know what she saw. He was too afraid to ask. But she went in her room for eight days and locked herself in. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't come out. And she was never quite the same since. And i that's another moment where I appreciated the restraint. Mm-hmm. Like, your imagination just goes crazy. Like, what the hell did she see? What right. is it? It's intriguing. You want to know, but they don't tell you. I appreciated that they don't tell you. Definitely. But yeah, they're kind of staying at this house with the their last name's the parents, the parent family. And they're, you know, Ed's fixing Roger, the dad's car, Lorraine's doing the laundry. They're just kind of hanging out with this family and helping this family. And they're setting paranormal investigation shit up around there. I love those scenes too. Which was like the 70s version of it. So, you know, there's trip wires and they're, you know, have video cameras and stuff like that around there. And they're trying to pick up on what temperature changes they can. They're trip by temperature. And, you know, so they're, they're setting up what appears to be a formal and scientific paranormal investigation of the house. They even bring in a skeptic. Just yeah, to, they bring just in for, local law yeah. enforcement. A, so you have a skeptic and B, like an official skeptic. You yeah. Know, which I thought was pretty cool. That you, you know, wasn't just like their team or whatever. And it, immediately they start picking up on shit. Things are getting tripped. It goes bananas. I'm not sure where you want to go with this, but like you said, kind of this is the second half of the movie. And this is where there's just like, nothing's hidden anymore you realize that there's multiple entities in this house Mm -hmm. but the thing that is actually fucking with them is this witch essentially Bathsheba Bathsheba and she's just got a fucking hard on for Satan like you wouldn't believe (laughs) so you know she went and back in the day when they were burning witches and shit she basically killed herself or she was hung right 
Well, she killed, she sacrificed her baby first, declared her love for Satan. Right. And then I believe she was. She was hung from that tree. Yeah. Cursed, cursed the land and then was hung from the tree. Hung from the tree that is like right, you know, right on the property there. So then everybody who lived in that house after suffered the same fate, basically. Essentially. So yeah, her whole MO is possessing mothers and then killing all the children. And then killing themselves. Which is fucking dark. (laughs) Quite. It's so dark. Well, because we watch so many things and we get so desensitized, but this is a really dark movie. Oh, very. It really is. It's Especially when there's the sequences where you see the the mothers kind of going in and out of possession and trying to fight it. And there's that sense that they realize what they're doing, but they can't stop it. Yeah. The scene where we actually see Carolyn get possessed by Bathsheba after we know what's happening, what's going on with this house and this land, I thought that was pretty cool because she's up in her room taking a nap. And then the witch, who we already saw once earlier because she was up on top of the wardrobe and jumped on one of the kids, which was also great. (laughs) She's like hovering over her and then just vomits this black ooze into Carolyn's mouth, which makes her super sick. And from that moment forward, she is 100% possessed. Yeah. And there's like this really fucked up scene where, you know, the whole family at this point has gone. They're in a hotel. And so the dad's there, all the kids there and everything. And the dad goes to do something with one or two of the daughters. I don't really remember exactly what the situation was. But when he comes back, the two girls that are left there are freaking out. And they're like, she just took April and left. And she was fucked up. Yeah. And the dad is realizing what's going on. And I think Ed and Lorraine, they realize what's going on. Yeah. I think she took April and Christine, but I don't remember for sure. I think she took two of them. Maybe it was two of them. Yeah. Whoever she could get, she took. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this whole fucking thing where now she's possessed (laughs) and she's going back to the house. Everyone knows that she's going back there to kill them. And it's just super fucking stressful. It is. It's really intense. And they try to take Carolyn out of the house. And as soon as she crosses the threshold, her skin just starts burning. Like, she can't leave the house. They can't yeah, get her like, out of there. Bathsheba will kill her. Like, yeah. you guys cannot just up and go. Yeah, like, and they decide, like, we need an they're, emergency exorcism. I was gonna, yeah, yeah, so they're trying to deal with the proper channels of getting an exorcism. They show them all the evidence. And they're like, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. But... You know, it's going to take a while. Yeah, you have to. It has to get approved by the Vatican or the church, basically. um, Did you not just see what we fucking showed you? Like, this bitch probably has 24 hours to live. But they're working on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the queue. (laughs) It gets so far out of whack where Caroline is just full-blown, insanely possessed. And they've tied her down and... All kinds of shit. And it's got to the point where it's like, we need to exercise her right now. Yeah. And like, says, to- I have to do it myself. And then, you know, he tries to get Lorraine to leave. She's like, fuck, no, I'm yeah. staying here. And he has to do it himself, which is apparently super dangerous because it has to. Yeah. He's break. never done it himself. Yeah. He's been present multiple times. Yeah. Like hundreds, if not thousands of times. But he's never done it himself. And the whole thing with Lorraine and the last exorcism she was involved in is what got her into this mess to begin with as far as, like, that big chunk. Yeah. So Ed, Ed is terrified of that Ed is terrified yeah. of being unqualified and having something happen to Lorraine. And they go back and forth. 
And he's like, I won't fucking do it. And she's like, God put us here for a purpose, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to work. And so they go through this whole exorcism bit. And it's a pretty good exorcism. I thought it was really a great idea that they put the sheet over Carolyn. Yes. Because, you know, you're expecting like a dumb CGI demon face or just something not great to happen. Because exorcism scenes traditionally aren't great. But I thought it was very clever to put the sheet over her. And then at one point, she just vomits up blood, spews out blood all, all over this white sheet, which was such a cool shot. And it's really the only moment in the movie where we get any blood, from what I can remember. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's the only blood that we really see. So we could go into this thing detail by detail, but long story short, shit goes down. It gets super crazy, but ultimately the exorcism works. And this is kind of where the movie reminds me of Poltergeist because you have this lovable family who's experiencing these unspeakable horrors. And except for the dog, R.A.P. Sadie, nobody dies, which is kind of cool. And it's actually okay at the end. The demon is gone and there was kind of an exercise. (laughs) This house is actually clean. (laughs) Yeah, so it works. And then there's kind of a fun little tidbit at the end of the movie where Ed and Lorraine get off the phone and they say there's a case in Long Island that they want us to check out. I'm pretty sure that's the Amityville case because that's where that whole thing took place. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's also the whole situation where the Warren's daughter is actually being subjected to the witch. Yeah. And that's because Lorraine's locket gets pulled off at some point during the Yeah, chaos. so that's all fucked yeah. up. So now their whole family is involved. Yeah. Annabelle's gotten fucking out of the closet. Yeah, Annabelle's loose. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all kinds of shit went down. It gets just, yeah. it's just really bananas. But eventually everything works out. Yeah, and real quick before we get into our top three scares, there are just there are so many things I liked about this movie, but I did see just a couple of flaws this time. There were a couple small issues I had. One was just the whole backstory with Bathsheba and how many ghosts are in this house and how much shit is going on. You have the thing with the daughter happening simultaneously. And the way that Lorraine explains the story with Bathsheba did feel a little bit rushed and thrown in there to me. Like you have to really have the subtitles on and pay attention. It just felt like with how careful the rest of the movie was, it felt kind of thrown in there and it felt like it was too important to be that rushed. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree with you on that. I I don't have any problem with there being multiple entities in there. And the the whole idea is that there's multiple, but most of them are benign. Yeah. They're just there, like Rory and some of the others. Yeah, they're like trapped souls. They're just kind of trapped souls. But the whole deal with Bathsheba and her whole get up, like that shit deserved some greater depth. Yeah, it was really quick. Like, blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. Other than that, I really don't have a lot of issues with this movie. There was a little sequence during the exorcism where there are multiple points in this movie where birds keep flying into the windows and, like, breaking their necks. I still don't understand why that's happening. I don't know if it's, like, you know, one of the theories on paranormal activity or occurrences is that you may experience, like, disturbances in the electromagnetic fields or something. So maybe that's what's causing the birds to crash into the windows. Especially if they have a lot of iron in their blood. Yeah. (laughs) At the end, you know, up until this point, everything's 
practical. You don't really see a lot of CGI. There's like this weird rotating shot of hundreds of crows like crashing into the house and it just looks kind of shitty. Yeah, that was stupid. It didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And then they they start trying to do some crazy shit with the camera where they're like, oh, we're going to do this long zooming shot. We're going to turn it upside down. And it was just like, (laughs) chill out with that camera. You were doing fine. Yeah, Yeah, it almost seems like it was... Daytime director and then coked out director. Yeah. Ooh, what happens if I turn this way? Let's go upside down. Let's zoom under the bed. (laughs) But other than that, I think this is a solid horror movie. I really like it. I don't think it has a lot of problems. No, no. I also, I mean, with any exorcism, I did think it was great that they put the sheet over. But at some point, she she still busts out of the sheet of the dumb fucking face. Yeah. I wish they had just kept it under the sheet. I feel like that would have been a lot more fulfilling. Or just use fucking liquid latex and corn syrup instead of a CGI demon face. I'm not sure if it was CGI. It looked CGI. It looked bad either way. It looked bad, but I just, I'm not into big demon faces. Yeah. Like, I like the subtlety during most of this movie of leaving it up to the audience. Yeah, just have her be like scratched up. I'm. Totally fine with like using the blood un- under the sheet or maybe having like bits exposed so you can see eye. I don't know, but like having the whole face burst through and then she's just like this. Bah! Yeah. And you're like, dude, fucking lay off the meth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Like, come on, you're doing so well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to it. Top three scares. I think we've already been down we this have, road. But narrow it down, top three scares. I'm going to give you top three plus a shout out. So. I got a shout out too. Let's see if it's the same shout out. Okay, okay. top three. I the clap. I guess I'm going. <laughs> <The clap. laughs> I always stop. I always start from number one. I have to start from the bottom. That's fine. But number one scare is the clap. Number two scare is down in the basement with the mom that I was talking about with the piano and the ball being thrown That's at her because there was yeah. a good call back there. And if you think about it, it's super terrifying. Number three scare. I'm not really sure why, but I really, really enjoyed when all the fucking photos on the wall just, like, simultaneously just exploded. Yes. Essentially. Yes. That was... It's something that sounds stupid, but it was really that well pulled off. That would scare the shit Yes, and it was really well pulled off. Yeah. So that would be number three. Shout out is when Lorraine is doing laundry. That was my shout out. Oh, shit. <laughs> go for it. Go for Lon- it. Uh, Lorraine is doing laundry, and she's, like, hanging up the um, sheets and shit like that. And they hear a, I think they hear one of the April screaming. Because at some point she goes like running and goes hiding the walls and shit. Anyways, I don't know exactly what happens. Well, she's out there hanging up the sheets and then it starts to get really windy and cloudy. And this is when Carolyn is upstairs getting possessed. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Go ahead, finish. Yeah. So it gets really windy and it starts to get dark like it's going to rain. So Lorraine thinks, oh shit, I got to take these sheets down. And one of them gets blown off of the clothesline because it's so windy and it just stops dead over a human figure when there's nobody standing there. So it's just open air and then this sheet just closes over a person fucking standing there. And then it kind of goes off. And then it flutters up to the window and then there's somebody in the window. (laughs) And that's when she realized like, oh shit, Caroline's Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. I love that. scene. For sure. And then my top three scares, two of them are the same as yours. So I, of course, have the hide and clap, the pictures falling off the wall. I think that was excellent. And then the other one was that entire scene with Christine and Nancy in their bedroom where Christine's leg is getting pulled. That entire thing was just so well done and so terrifying where you see this thing yank her leg 
And then she wakes up and looks in the corner of her room and just says, Nancy, there's someone standing there. And we don't see anything. Neither's the sister. No, yeah. We don't see anything. But she is 100% just terrified. And she says, I can hear it breathing. Yeah. And it's standing right there. And then Nancy gets up and goes to look. And Christine is like, it's right behind you. It's staring right at us. And then she just starts screaming because the door slams shut and this thing, whatever it is, is in there with them. And the parents come in, Christine is sobbing. And then she says, it talked to me. It said it wants my family dead. And you're like, fuck, (laughs) that was so good. That was great. And another excellent example of just having that restraint. Yeah, that was very effective. we never see anything. The sister never sees anything. It's just... She's just freaking out. Well, I mean, the, the other sister doesn't yeah. seem... The older sister, but the younger sister who says she saw it, she's really putting it together. We're like, it's 100% convincing that she is seeing what she's seen. Yeah. I thought that was... That's a great shout Excellent. Out. Yeah. And it's it's hard sometimes to talk about movies that we really like because there are so many... We could be like, oh, I also like this moment. I liked that moment. But I think that I covered my favorites. But yeah, ultimately, I think that this is a... Solid horror movie. I thought the acting was great. I think that it was shot really well, except for those couple of weird shots where they decided to go crazy with the camera. And it makes me excited that this is like so many young people's first favorite horror movie or classic horror movie or the movie that got them into horror. And I think it's a a good choice. For sure. Again, I'm surprised how much I liked this movie. I usually don't like these types of movies. No. Well, before we get to the rating, there's a couple things I wanted to point out. Oh, yeah. In the research. So one of them is looking into the Warrens. I thought it was interesting because as they gain popularity, they also gain criticism, right? Yeah. And one of their critics was a parapsychologist at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And there was a team of scientists led by Dr. Thelma Moss, which to me sounds like a Simpsons character for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. And after extensive studies, they determined Lorraine was a light trance medium. Oh. And I was like, that's so fucking 70s to have a whole team (laughs) of scientists at UCLA determine that Lorraine Warren is a light trance medium. We have determined you are indeed a light trance medium. (laughs) Like, what a bunch of fucking hippies. Like, seriously. Who's funding this? That's what I mean. We are... (laughs) God damn it. It really pissed me off when I thought it was funny. <laughs> and then I also thought it was kind of neat that there was one of their cases, the Warren's actual cases, that received reinforcement from the then-to-be Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Oh, interesting. I just thought that was kind of interesting. So yeah. one of the popes actually did help call in the troops for the Warrens. Nice. And... The last thing I will mention is that part of the soundtrack, actually, we heard the voice of Ryan Goslin. Why? Well, Ryan Goslin, like every other actor on the face of the planet, although I didn't know this, I should have suspected as much, is in a band. Oh. And it's called... Fuck. It's called, like, Dead Bones. It's called Fuck. <laughs> it's called Fuck. I had it. It's called Dead... Like, Dead Guy Bones. Dead Man Bones. Dead oh. Man Bones. Okay, what does he do? Does he sing? Does he's he a singer and he's. it's like an indie band. I looked it up to listen to it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie for what it is. It's pretty fucking good. Is it? I only okay. listened to one song. Okay. And it was the song that happened to be in the movie. Oh. And it kind of reminds me of a mix of like the specials and 
that kind of reggae rockish thing, but also super 80s-ish with a modern twist on it. And it's got a lot going on. Yeah. But uh, I was actually, you know, for just a dude, a actor, I was actually pretty impressed. Like, this is not nearly as bad as I was expecting. This is he pretty can do decent. it all. He can fucking do it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. So I want to listen to more of it. But yeah, Ryan Gosling was in this movie, apparently. Wow, what a trip. Yeah. So Dead Man Bones, if you're interested in checking out that little ditty. I am interested. Yeah, I want to, I actually kind of want to listen to some more and yeah. see how it is. Apparently, I, I think it was just a couple years ago or within the last couple years that Lorraine Warren died, but she had a little cameo in this movie. And she was, when they were doing the demonology class, she was in the front row of the class. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that she had a cameo, but I didn't see where. It was in the class, yeah. Kind of oh, weird. we should mention that they gave their blessing. They did, yeah. They were all on board. That's good. Because it's exactly what happened. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they gave a blow by blow. <laughs> yep. This is what this happened. This is 100% accurate. Yes. Just like Fargo. But, you know, I I do really appreciate this movie. I would definitely watch it again, and I would recommend it to somebody who's looking into getting into a horror movie. I think that I'm a really bad judge when it comes to, um, not horror movies, but when somebody comes to me and asks, hey, would this movie be too scary for me? I don't know. Because... It's hard to scare me with a horror movie. So like if your sister Crystal came to me and said, should I watch The Conjuring? My first reaction would probably be like, yeah, it's totally, it's super tame. No, I don't think she I should. think she would die. Yeah, <laughs> when I, I really think about it, she would die. I don't so think she should. I'm not the person to come to for that, to ask me, hey, should my kids watch The Conjuring? I'm not going to take that responsibility. I would say watch that before you watch it with them. Yeah. Or maybe watch it first, vet it. Check it out. But actually, uh, Jose, my friend, just asked me today um, if he should watch Lovecraft Country. And immediately I was like, oh, my God, it's a masterpiece. No. You have to. But then I was like, Jose, I think that might be a little too yeah, intense for you. It's pretty fucked up. Fucked up, man. Like, it's pretty intense. And he really wanted to see it. And it was so good. So I said, you know, maybe just watch the first episode and then get back to me and see how you feel. But that show is intense. Like, I think Especially that, the sloughing. Yeah, the sloughing, the gore, the it, it's pretty horrifying at times so i'm a bad judge of that but i think that this is nonetheless a great movie to get somebody into horror ditto so now we come to the ratings portion we sure do and we rate on a scale of zero to 12 beers this was one of the first times that i didn't write down my rating ahead of time because i wanted to talk about it first and see where i landed i really really like this movie and i think it's really good so i'm gonna give it a solid 10 out of 12 beers all right. I'm going to give it a 10. Tenner, huh? Yeah, I think it's a tenner. I really like this movie. I think it's solid. It's great. I thought you were going to give it a little bit higher. I don't think I can go past a 10. That's exactly... I'm out of tenner myself. Yeah, I think it's a 10. It's got a super good qualities about it. It's not a... It's not an amazing movie. No, it's just fun. It's, it's straight up fun. fun. It's a great, you know, intro movie. It's a good fun movie to watch, even if you are into horror already. But there's nothing to me that's exceptional about this. Yeah. It's just it's just good. good. No complaints, really. All right. Tenor. Yeah. So that being the case, what kind of beer would we pair this with? This was a tough one because this feels like such a classic horror movie. I kind of wanted to pair it with a classic beer. And you had the suggestion of pairing it with a red, which I think is perfect because reds are... They're easy drinkers and they're kind of crowd pleasers, but they also have a little bit more going on underneath. I also wanted to do an East Coast themed beer since this movie takes place in Rhode Island. So I came across the Rhode Island Red Rye 
from the Cockadoodle Bruce Company. <laughs> <laughs> Love that name. Good times had by yeah. all. So Rhode Island Red Rye. By the Cockadoodle yeah. Bruce. Or your favorite red. But I think this, yeah, this would pair nicely with the red. I think so. Good pick. Thank you. So this was my pick. What are we going to be covering next time in our big new house? Well, I'm going to be adventurous again and pick something I've never seen. Oh, no. I don't feel like it's going to completely suck because it's by an amazing director. Have I seen it? Oh, so, I'm excited. Okay. So this is the first film by Guillermo del Toro. <gasps> oh. It's called Kronos. Oh, I've been dying to see that. I'm kind of, I'm pretty interested in watching it. Sweet. Okay. So that is what we will be watching and talking about next time. I'm really excited to see that. I've been wanting to watch that. It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah. I'm Again, I love his movies. Everything I've seen from him is awesome. And he's just a really fucking cool guy. And I was in the mood for something apparently psychological. It's kind of in a psychological horror mood. Yeah. And I was also in the mood to watch something I hadn't seen before. So bingo, bango, Django. Awesome. <laughs> Good pick. I'm excited for that one. Okay, well... As you all know, you can follow us on Instagram at Blood, Fear, and Beer Podcast. And if you have questions for us, movie or beer suggestions, or you just want to shoot the shit with us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at bloodfearandbeer at gmail.com. And if you get a chance, please just take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or I think it's just Apple Podcasts that lets you do that. But just I wonder in why case, that is. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think you can do it on Spotify. Or any of those other platforms, but hmm. if you get a chance, we'd really appreciate it. It really does help and has helped other people find us. So for those of you who have done it so far, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. Absolutely. And Thank as you. you said, we it has helped bring a wider audience and we really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to seeing Kronos. And until next time, keep it spooky. Cheers.